0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Heavenly Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They cried out on that Palm Sunday, waving the palm fronds. And less than a week later, Jesus would be crucified. He would die. He would be buried And so over the course of Lent, this 40-day journey we've been taking with Jesus, on our midweek series, we've been taking a look at the miracles of Lent. We've been taking a look at all that happened on that Good Friday with the breaking of the, the rocks, the earth shaking, the temple curtain being torn in two, the tombs being opened. All sorts of miracles that prove something amazing and wild happened. And and we've been studying on Sundays a sermon series we call the story. We're hitting pause on the story. We'll continue. We'll pick up the story after Easter as we see the Israelites facing their kingdom being torn in two and the results of that. If you've got questions about the miracles of Lent, you can still ask them. You can write them on the back of a connection card or you can text them to 248274. Four, six, seven, six. We've been answering these questions on Facebook Live every Sunday at 2. We've been having a pretty good conversation, and you've been asking some pretty hard questions. So thank you for that. But our Miracles of Lent series over the course of the, the midweek lessons have, have taught us really one thing repeatedly over and over we need godly intervention. And that, that miracle, that thing that he does for you and me is that he sends Jesus not to, to receive the glory of man, but to receive the glory of the Father. The glory of the job completed that he was sent to do to save you and me and to reconcile us to him. And so we read from Matthew 27 some of those miracles. And behold, the curtain temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split and the tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who were asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. But I also want to say there's a miracle that happens on Palm Sunday and and it's the triumphal entry. That Jesus rides into the city on the back of a donkey Amidst a crowd and procession of thousands of people singing Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, a proclamation which is only made for a king, and he is not arrested on the spot and killed on the spot. That itself is a miracle that his, his day was reserved for that Good Friday for very specific reasons. And things were escalating. This is the same Jesus who in the gospel, just days before, weeks before, recently had raised Lazarus from the dead. No one had ever seen someone die and be raised from the dead. But those that saw Jesus raise Lazarus were crushing him. We're following him. We're, we're chasing after him with bated breath to see what this man would do next. Because if he has power over death, then maybe he has power to change my life. And so not only did the, the leaders and religious leaders of the day want to kill Jesus, they also wanted to kill Lazarus because of what Lazarus and his story meant. So John 12, 12 shows us this crowd was following Jesus. And the next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. And if Jesus is riding into the city of Jerusalem, it only means one thing. He's going to save us. And so you cry out, Hosanna, Hosanna. And I cry out, Hosanna. And we, today, we cry out, Hosanna, from everything that afflicts us. Tax day is tomorrow. Have you filed? Have you filed for an extension? Have you cried out, Hosanna? (laughs) Hosanna, save me, right? Did the tax burden that you have change this year? Do you owe more? Do you owe less? Do you have an accountant taking care of it for you? Her name is Liz. <laughs> My wife, thankfully, <laughs> takes care of it. But, but it's tax day, okay. Is it uh, the NBA playoffs? No, probably not, because we haven't been paying attention to the Pistons forever. But did you know that the Pistons are actually in the playoffs? How about that? Right? Save us from the Greek freak, the best player in the NBA? No? Okay. Maybe not. Right? No one's getting the NBA. Save us from our bodies. The affliction of disease that's slowly crippling us, save us from our broken relationships, save us from ourselves. The crowd was giving Jesus glory because they thought they would be saved. And his disciples did not understand these things at first, right? When, When you see Jesus do something for the first time, it doesn't always click but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. When Jesus was glorified was not when he was riding into the city receiving glory from men. When Jesus was glorified, it was, it was when he was killed. The disciples need reminders just like we do. We need to be reminded of all that Jesus has done and what his glory really means. Compare the glory that we seek to the glory that Jesus received. I mean, we want to be the best. We want to be the the number one position, the best in our field, the best at our job, the best in what we do, the best mom and dad, son and daughter. Well, maybe the best employee, the best boss. But the glory we seek is different. The glory we seek to be greatest, Jesus says, seek to be least, seek to be a servant, seek to love. You see, the crowd that had been with Jesus keeps chasing after him for the glory they think he can give. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this sign. So what are you going to chase after Jesus so that he can do for you? Can Jesus fill out that paperwork so you can get in the mail by tomorrow night? Can Jesus heal your body and the aches and the sores that you have when you get out of bed in the morning when you get your coffee when you try to make your lunch. I mean, sometimes we don't even want to make it to dinner, right? This is the man who has power over death. And if he can raise the dead, what can he do for you? I mean, this is the God who tells us later in Scripture that he can do more than anything we can ask or imagine, Sometimes I actually think we're not asking God for enough when we ask him for physical or material or relational blessings in our lives. We're stopping short of praising him for the thing that he gives us that we need most of all, salvation, life itself. This is the man who has power over death, and he's the one who can deliver you from death. He's the one who has promised to raise those who have fallen in faith. My dad, your son, your brother, your sister, your friend, your loved one. This is the promise from the man who has power over death. Ask him for all things, but ask him especially for life. Because this is what terrifies people who follow Jesus for any other reason. You see, the Pharisees were following Jesus too. But they were following Jesus in order to kill him because they were threatened by him. So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you're gaining nothing. Look, the whole world has gone after him. I mean, it would be like going to the opposite political party rally that you're affiliated with. Look, look, they're all praising his name. Look, don't you see you've gained nothing? All this work we've tried to do to trap him in his teachings, to catch him in a lie, to kill him, we're not gaining anything. The Pharisees are worried because they're losing the PR battle. We're not getting enough credit for the work we've done for generations. This Jesus shows up out of the blue and says he's the son of God, does some magic tricks, and all of a sudden people are following him? It's not fair. It's not fair that people are going to the other church with bigger programs and more people. It's not fair that we're shrinking It's not fair that the church in America is smaller than it's ever been and the nuns are the greatest percentage of respondents. It's not fair. But is Jesus here for a PR battle? No. He's here for the battle of life and death. He's here for the battle that matters. And when you show people the real Jesus, the Jesus who comes and dies for them, even non-believers come to see him. The text tells us in John twelve twenty one, the response of even the Greeks was, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Because they heard he had the power over death too. They heard the true story. People want to meet the real Jesus. Not the Jesus that puts his hand out and asks for money. Not the Jesus that's aligned with your political party and not the other political party. Not the Jesus that says, you're a sinner and you're going to hell, but the sins that I have are okay. The Jesus that convicts each one of us equally. The Jesus that calls every single one of us sinners. The Jesus who dies for every single one of us. And the Jesus who lives. You see, Jesus says the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, but Jesus seeks a different kind of glory. He's not here to win an election or a PR battle. He's not here to win our praise and our hosannas. He's here for the nails. He's here for death. He's here for you. And Jesus says, hey, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me for?" From this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And then a voice came from heaven I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. You see, glory is found in the godly intervention of Jesus stepping in to the crucifixion for you and me. Glory is found in Christ dying the death we deserved. But what's the response to what he's done, to the voice in heaven telling us? The crowd stood there and heard it, and they said it was thunder. And others said an angel has spoken to him. But God has given you and me the same word, With the same power, what is your explanation for the word God has given us? What could it be? Could it be a fairy tale and made up and and some people wanted to to swindle others? Could it be a a fabrication of time and history that they stole Jesus' body and hid it away? What's your explanation? Because you have to look at what the Bible claims about Jesus and what Jesus claims about himself. Or could it be that he is the son of God who came to take away the sin of the world? Jesus says, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. God's word comes for your sake. And still to this day, his word is for you. The miracles of Lent show us over and over that we have a Savior who has all power and all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And he uses that power and authority not for himself but for you to save you. That is the greatest miracle of Lent. It's a miracle Jesus invites us to believe, and he invites us to share with our family and our friends and everyone we meet. Pray with me. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for Jesus. That on this day, Palm Sunday, when we cry out, Hosanna, and we think of things so small, you give us salvation from sin, death, and the devil, the salvation we need. Help us to see with eyes of faith, our Jesus, our Jesus crucified, but more than that, our Jesus risen from the dead for us. This we pray through the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.